It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I like these guys, but sometimes they think they're too damn smart. Mackey and Judd. Dummies. Mm-hmm. On 1500 ESPN. Iron Mackey, Brian Murphy. Don't call him the Murph. Uh, 1500 ESPN filling in for Mackey and Judd this morning. I started this story. I didn't get into it. I can't go to Home Depot. Not not that Home Depot. They didn't ban me. I'm Mm -hmm. banning myself. I went in Friday for some stain for my deck. You know, this is a time of the year where like all that stuff you dreamed about doing to your house in the in the 13 months of winter or dreaded. Yeah, dreaded. (laughs) But but like you get like a three week window in Minnesota to get it done because if you get too deep into July. It's like too hot. Too hot and humid. To do anything. Um, if you I, go too early, you're in trouble. I was literally at Home Depot looking for deck stain yesterday. Right. Yeah. It, it, this Same is kind deal. of the window. This yep. is kind of the window. You got to knock it out here. You know, get some good weather going. So I'm going in for some some deck stain. You know, just simple project I'm going to take care of on a Friday. But I figure I'll walk by the grills. No. What, what harm, right? And Put your head down and do what you need to do. I turned 35 last week. And I, I decided, you know what? I got everything I want in life. And I got my beautiful daughters, got, you know, great job, all these things. I'm not going to buy a big gift for myself. You know, I don't have to do that and be 30. Then I walk by these grills and I say, I'm just going to look at the grill. And my fear is I see one of the worker dudes. I, he can see that I'm praying. I'm vulnerable. Yeah. Yep. He can. I Like, it's something about me. I don't know what it is. If you have like that. I want to buy a grill look. No, but you glanced at it. So you did. And he looks at me and it was like, he knew. He knew. And, and he comes over and my first thing is, I'm just looking. Yeah. Which is how it always starts. Of course. You're just looking. Like Man you, don't walk on the lot unless he never, wants to buy. <laughs> you are never buying. You're just looking. And he's like, oh, okay. Well, this I can one, change that. This one, Here's what he starts out. He says, okay. It's just you were looking at this one and, you know, everybody's buying them. My thing is like, okay, well, I'm not worried about what everyone's buying, but why are they buying them? Oh, the hook has been set already. I think I'm getting out of it and I'm just going deeper into the, uh, you know, the mud, you know, the quicksand (laughs) of his of his sales pitch. Before I knew it, he's telling me stuff that shouldn't matter to me, but it did all of a sudden. You know this thing has a Bluetooth thermometer that you can stick in your meat and then it'll send you a signal to your phone so you know the meat is ready. How silly is that? Well, really where are you going to Are you going to be like down the block? I don't, what do you, what well, do you, I don't know, but like how silly is that? And next thing I know, I'm like, tell me a little bit more about this. Let me download the Bluetooth app. thermometer. Before you know it, we're loading this grill in my car. I got I got <laughs> the apron. I bought a whole new grill tool set. I, 
I went overboard. Dad's the best. Yeah, I went to. I did the whole thing <laughs> to the point where the brand of grill that I bought, I, I had loaded my cart with a different brand's apron and and grill tools. I put it all back because I wanted everything to line up. I wanted everything to match. <laughs> That's how much okay, of a grill just, nerd. Now you're just sick. I, exactly. It, and and this dude, this 22 year old kid who whatever commission he's getting, is just watching me the whole time. And he knows I'm going overboard, but he doesn't stop me. Well, what was it that sold you on it besides the Bluetooth? What You already have a grill. I, I have a grill. I don't... I don't want to get into it too much, but people are buying better grills in my neighborhood, right? Like, oh, I got so you a bunch are keeping of, up with the Joneses. There's a couple of people in my neighborhood who moved in, in the last two or three years who do the who do the front driveway grilling. I, I'm on my back deck. They like to show everybody, you know, their grill and how. And I don't know. You drive by and you're like, do I have the newest kind of grill? Is it my grill's old? You know. And I just figured I was just going to look to see if there's something new in grill. Technology. There is the Bluetooth, apparently. The Bluetooth, and it was shiny, and it was, it was shiny. It was, you know, it was kind of the perfect size. Did you buy a tarp for it? I got a tarp. I got the whole thing. There you go. But I didn't mean to do it. I, I wasn't going to be that guy who bought something like a grill. First off, I'm becoming my father, by the way, because that's we exactly what he would yeah. buy. Um, but it, that's just how it happened. I walked by it. It wasn't going to be a thing. Little 22-year-old Steven or whoever he is probably goes to the U of M, could see I was vulnerable. Next thing you know, he's helping me load this thing into my car. I was like, you know what? It might be too big. Oh, no, no. We'll, we'll take off this part, and we'll load it, and we'll take off this part. Oh, so it was already put together, too? Is that part of the sales pitch? Put together. Oh, that's... Ready, ready to go right big. away. That's, that's huge. He said, we can go in the back, and you can give, one where, give you one where you have to assemble it, or you can take this one right here. We load that one. Wouldn't fit at first. Don't worry. We'll take off this part. We'll take off that. We'll take off the wheels. He had. A, it was like he knew. He was waiting for me to walk in there. Every no you've got, I've got a counterpoint. He was great. He was great. Well, look at that. He's a college student. You probably funded his spring break now. More for power next year. to him. Exactly. Yeah. Or, or maybe I funded his weekend. Well, part of it. Yeah. Maybe, maybe his just weekend. weekend. Who knows? But that's how it happens, Brian. You walk by a grill, and next thing you know, you're loading it in your car, and it's coming home with you. You said this was Friday? This was Friday. Did you use it Friday night? I might have. I might Saturday? Have. I might Sunday? Have. Monday? I'm, I'm, I might. Did you grill your breakfast today? Be, I might be grilling right now on, during the show. I might have some meat on the grill right now. You might now. have a whole turkey on there. And it, then you can have that Bluetooth. You got, Bluetooth, you so got the Bluetooth? That thing's yeah. going to go a few hours. How is, it, is it burning out there <laughs> at home? Hey, I don't trust the Bluetooth quite yet, by the way. I'm <laughs> Quick too much call of, to the girls at home. Hey, <laughs> shut her down. Shut her down. Dad's going to be home in two hours. I'm too much of a... Old school, like to trust a Bluetooth. <laughs> no, it's the finger test, right? And here's the thing: I'm not one of those guys who goes overboard. Like, if you don't know how to really grill certain things, guy came over to my house one time some years ago with ribs, and they weren't cooked. Oh, you got to get that right. That's slow cooking there. And I'm like, what? When did you put these ribs on? Thirty minutes ago? Like, don't if you don't know what to do with like ribs and chicken, stick to brats and burgers and hot dogs. People will love you. They're simple to make. You'll enjoy yourself. 
But don't go over the top if you don't have any experience. If you can't grill a hot dog on any kind of grill, you don't belong with a spatula you in your hand. You don't. Are you a griller? Are you a grill guy? I'm an average grill guy. Yeah. You know, I, Brats, I, hot dogs. Brats, hot dogs, occasionally steaks. Okay, but I how do you like bu- your steaks? I uh, See, I'm a medium well guy, and that yeah. puts me in the minority. I mean, most people are medium. Well, <laughs> I butterfly my fillets, and I like it just a, li- a very slight pink. So I butterfly it so I don't burn them. Yeah. But that's also, you know, supposedly sacrilegious, too. Yeah. I trust if I'm at your place and you tell me you're going to make a medium steak for me, I trust it. It's just when you go to places where you're not 100% sure, that's when I go medium well. I think a steak should be cooked medium. A medium at, at least medium. Um, but I go medium well a lot of restaurants because I'm just not sure cuz some restaurants medium is medium well other places. So you don't you don't know, you know, so Yeah, pink is red, red is pink. One thing I don't trust is if I'm at somebody's house and the grill master, whoever that may be, yeah. man or woman, comes and sits next to you at the table and starts. Oh no! You know, oh no! You better no, no, be, no, no, no! You better be. Oh, my, you better be standing over that meat. No. You better be paying attention. I don't want to see. I don't want to look over and see smoke billowing <laughs> no. from it. No, my my dad is one of those dudes on Thanksgiving. I mean, on July Fourth, is up at two a.m., three a.m. preparing, dry food, rubbing, doing the whole deal, and then he's out at five. I mean, he's out just before the sun comes up, and, and then it's it's sacred. Like you don't just walk out there talking to my no. somebody's grilling. Well, you need an invite. Well, you yeah, you, exactly. Why are you here? You're you're only there to help, right? If, if you've been summoned, carry out the meat <laughs> from the refrigerator. That's it. What what are we talking about? That grilling <laughs> thing is a special thing. I will admit though, I don't think my dad respects me as much because he's a charcoal guy. Oh, which, he's which really is like, old school. Well, Weber? which is like is a, a Weber man. Yeah, that's like a cult, by the way. Yeah, if you. If you don't grill with charcoal and you try to have a conversation with a charcoal grill guy, they will ignore you and make you feel like you don't know anything about grilling. It's the old manual automatic transmission. There are right. very few people driving with sticks anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know that many using charcoal. Kingsford. Not many. My parents finally converted when they got their latest grill a couple of years ago. It's easy. My dad's still mad about it. it right? It, yeah. it, it's not the same. The taste isn't the same. I'll give it that. But do you really taste it? Yeah, I don't think it's bit. a whole lot different. I usually, I, taste, we, I usually taste the lighter fluid is what I, I think taste. we think it's different, more different than it really is. But like old school charcoal guys, if you bring a gas grill, they will kick you out of their barbecue. They don't, they don't even want to talk to you about grilling because they just see you as a foreign you know, person. You don't understand grilling if you grill with gas. Well, probably, I, I used to have a charcoal one, too, and I, my problem was there were t- maybe one out of five, I couldn't get it to light. And then the whole, night's, the whole night is ruined. And what do you do? You end up pouring more fluid on and it. And you light the forest on you fire. You light the forest on fire, and then your your steaks taste like uh, petroleum. <laughs> exactly. That's the other part. Now, I've got the gas grill, which I use 95% of the time, but I okay. also have a charcoal grill. That's oh, an old really? hand-me-down. When do you bring that out? I oh. use it only for ribs. I Only like your ribs. style. I, cause slow cook. Slow cook. Slow cook. I don't have to waste you know, the top an entire tank it. of gas. Put the top on. I leave let it, it for go. 90 minutes. Let it go. And you can uh, get the ribs done usually about two hours and they're dynamic. See that? I like that. I like having, is it a smaller grill? No, or is it's, it a bigger? it's like your standard Weber okay. size. It's not a hibachi. So no. will you have them both going at the same time? Uh, you, gosh, I've never done that, but that's brilliant. Right? I really should. Because, I mean, then you kind of got one. There's a lot slow, of balls in the air, though. You're yeah. slow cooking. Well, the ribs are slow cooking. Yeah, you don't touch every, the ribs for 90 minutes. No. You just let them smoke, I tell and then you, you finish them over the open flame on the uh, once you take the top off. I, do I gotta? Do I have to go back to Home Depot to get a charcoal grill? Is that what you're telling me? Uh, Only one that's on grill? sale. Only if it's I on mean, sale. It's got a big shiny sign that says, this is for you, Myron. <laughs> <laughs> Come dump your paycheck. Come on back.
They sold me on it. Congrats to that little intern who uh, got me to buy that thing. <laughs> we'll be back with Jason Stark on Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. We'll be back in the game before you know it. Mackie and Judd <laughs> on 1500 ESPN. Attention. Radio alert. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. Something tells me you can buy all kinds of grills at Fratelloni's Ace Hardware. Oh, they sell the grills. But John, apparently one of our listeners out there, uh, has got a multi-purpose grill that he's uh, he's mastered. John, what I- what are we talking about here? Yeah, so my my gal this uh, this spring decided that the grill I had was too rusted out, so she went out and got a new one, and uh, it's a it's a combination. It's got uh, it's a kettle grill. Okay. One side of it's gas, the other side of it's charcoal, and uh, on the outside of it, they go ahead and bolt up a, a a side charcoal burner to go ahead and do your smoking on. What, what kind of witchcraft awesome. is this? What? <laughs> this sounds amazing. This sounds amazing. Yeah, I couldn't believe it either. I didn't think they made something like that. And all of a sudden, she says, hey. She calls me over and computer shows me that, and she says, oh, I want to get you that. And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> 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 wow, you got a great gal. What? Can you use them all though at the same time, John? Or what's what are the limits of that? Um. Yes. Yes. I will. I've gone ahead and and because you have the side the side you know uh, cooking area uh, the side charcoal the charcoal smoker right? Yeah, the smoker which has got its own uh, grilling grate, so you can grill you know things that you want to grill fast. You can grill right on top of that, and then you can use the smoke to go ahead and do the ribs and the main you know. Smoking slash, and, and if you wanted to, you could put charcoal on that side instead of just on the outside one. And then you have the gas side. So things that you don't necessarily care whether or not you have the charcoal taste. Yeah. Um, then you use the ga- the gas side. And so yeah, so we've used both already in conjunction with each other, and it works really slick. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the other thing to get if you're having problems uh, lighting the charcoal, they make the, uh, the it looks like a little ch- handheld chimney looking thing. And you dump the charcoal on top of it. Yeah, I think that's even what they call it is a, uh, a chimney starter. Okay. And it's just a round cylinder with a bunch of holes in it. You put the charcoal inside the cylinder, and you put this little tab thing of lighter gel stuff on it. You just take your match, you light this gel thing. Ten minutes later, your charcoal's ready to go. You pick it up, you put it wherever you want, you hit the button, and it dumps right out the bottom. Really? Is that, see, I wonder, like, what are your thoughts on, like, is that too much technology, though? I mean, like, I'm kind of old. I'm like my dad was talking about. He's really old school. Would he appreciate something like that, you think? If you don't want to have the lighter fluid taste, absolutely. uh, That's another one of the things that I couldn't believe how slick that thing worked. (laughs) Once I got it, I was like, why haven't I used this for the last 30 years? (laughs) All right, John, thanks for sharing, man. Now, what's the name of this thing? What's the name of the grill? Uh, the name of the grill was it's uh, it's made by Charbroil. Okay, and but, we got it at home. Is it like the Terminator or something <laughs> like that, or <laughs> the future? Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm sorry, I'm not good enough to know that model number right off. Oh, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. It's, it's, it's just a three in one deal, kind of. Yeah, it's the nicest Charbroil that they make. <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations makes. to you, man. I'm I, that trumps my grill story by a mile happy I'm grilling jealous. john yeah. i'm definitely grilling. jealous you got my taste buds going i can't wait to get up at three <laughs> o'clock in the morning on the forest going ahead and preparing things <laughs> and that's what i like to hear all right john take it easy thanks for calling bye-bye did i buy the wrong grill brian
Well, it just sounds like you bought something. You know, you got hooked. I didn't into buy the thing anything. apparently. I guess. And I, I wish I knew what the name of it was. That sounds like a Terminator type deal. Like a, I just hope his fist in the garage or on the. That's deck. what I'm wondering. Is where? How do that you trans? Like a beast. It sounds like a huge grill, and you got to work. I mean, depending on how your house is set up, you, if you're taking it around to the deck, I guess. And it might be heavy too. And his girlfriend found it and bought it for him. So how does is that? I don't know. Sounds like we call it the triple play three burner gas charcoal. Is it big? We've looked it up. It, oh, it is triple play. It doesn't look small. <laughs> so I bet Max it's heavy. Is, Max has got the specs. It's got the giant. It says a giant fourteen hundred square inch grilling space. Oh fourteen hundred square. Oh, what does that even I'm mean? I'm in love. What, help me <laughs> out. I'm in love. Put that into feet. Sounds like a lot. That's like a, that's like a condo for a grill. Like, <laughs> like fourteen hundred oh square inches. I'm so what is that? Jealous. Google. Go, go, crunch the numbers, Max. What does that mean in feet? And then wait, so then is it's there's three different cooking spaces next to it. Like it's it's the charcoal, and then it's the gas, and then it's the smoker thing. On Which top is of also it. charcoal related. You probably yeah. Put some I mean, it in looks there like kind of. I mean, it's all obviously sectioned one off. connected, but yeah, it's kind of sectioned off. And because John said oh, he's, he's used them all at the same time. Yeah. Which maybe it says you're not supposed to, but ah, being a man, why would you stop? Yeah, I'm not. Man, stop. I'm using them all. Oh, if if you like, don't try to use them all at the same time, oh, and it's, yeah. what's it's, the point? It's an, oh, it looks like an oblong shape, oh, too, a little that, bit. That's a, oh, yeah, that's a beast right there. That's a, that's, oh, that's worth $399, it sounds like, too. Oh, that's what wow. I saw. Only That's not bad. I, I was thinking, the way he described it, I was thinking, component. I was thinking a thousand plus. Yeah. I was thinking a thousand plus at least. I got four propane burners. I thought that was pretty good. That's yeah. nothing now. Well, this is, wow. I would love to try it, man. I would love to try. Now we got to go out and grill or something. We got to stop the know, show, man. I'm, I'm sitting we gotta, here munching we on an apple. Stop the show. Get some barbecue and and figure this out. Is it raining behind us back there? Because if it's I, not, we might be we're able still to. Cloudy, but I think we're dry right now. Heck, we're only down the block from Menards. <laughs> well, it's all relevant because next week is Fourth of July, yep. which is the annual barbecuing day. Like I don't care who you are. Like you, you kind of have to barbecue, right? First, I mean, you burn your hands on the grill, then you yes. blow them off with fireworks. <laughs> yes. Yes, and and you want to try to find a good barbecue. That's your whole goal next week. Um, and if you show up with that thing that John's talking about, Brian, like I, you're you're the life of the party. I've never seen anybody bring their own grill. Usually, that's an affront to the homeowner, is it not? True. I mean, if you but show if you up have, with your own grill uh, with a guy that has a grill, but if you have if you have that though, yeah. If I have that, you better call ahead. I I gotta call my buddy and say, hey, listen, I know. It's your thing, but you got to see this. Or at least just say, I will defer to you on the grilling, but let me bring over the triple threat and let you see what you can do with it. I I don't know if he can use my grill. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you can bring your grill to somebody else's barbecue. I mean, that's pretty, that's an affront too. But if I let him use my grill, that's kind of cross. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. The grill space is sacred, I feel like. Well, so is somebody else's grill true, space. True, true. I, I don't mean, know. you you show up with your own machine. I mean, that's just uh, that's telling the grill master right there. I don't trust in it's your. Like pulling ma- up with a new car. I mean, you get in it. You can't drive it. You can you can get in it and play with all the buttons if you want. You know, but I don't know if I'm letting you use my grill, uh, especially if it's a grill like that. Wow, we just spent almost two segments talking about grilling. And you know what? Hey, if anybody else has got zero some regrets stories, about it. Anybody else got some grilling so stories? 651-646-8255. The fourth is coming up. It is the middle of the summer or the beginning of the summer, and it's that dead zone in, in sports mania right now. We can certainly talk grilling. Grilling's greatest hits. Yeah, I, I can't take my grill back, right? I can't. What's the rule on that? Why would you if want you to? Used well, it, if you yeah, used yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah I, if you used it, you're not bringing it, it back. 
but I mean, if no, you wear, you're just if getting you wear, the flavors worked. If you don't wear bring a dress, now. I mean, well, not, I'm not going to wear a dress. If you wear pants or an apron or an apron, whatever you wear, <laughs> I feel like people tuning in right now are like, "What is happening?" If you wear something one time, you can take it back, right? That happens all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go to a party. So go what's, to a- what's one? What's one or two? Yeah, but there's, you know You're the, right, the difference bad. between it's turning bad. in a suit after sweating through a wedding with it <laughs> and turning in a grill that's had several choices of meat cooked on it. I'm going to defer to the suit. At least you could dry clean the suit. That's the least you could do. How do you dry clean a grill and hand it back? That was a good question. Really, really good question. Okay, now we really have Jason Stark uh, at 11:30 when we come back. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. No, no, oh, I got no. You. now. I need it now. Yes. I can't wait. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is where the magic starts. Mackie and Judd now continue. Showtime. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, now, with MLB Network contributor and senior baseball writer with The Athletic, Jason Stark. Brought to you by Grundhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. Bring the excitement of Grundhofer's to your next cookout. After an off day yesterday, the Twins are in Chicago, opening a three-game series against the White Sox. They'll stay in Chicago through the weekend, play three more at Wrigley against the Cubs, and then uh, head north to Milwaukee for three more games, so a nine-game road trip. They wake up this morning eight games behind the Cleveland Indians. Uh, Jason, uh, we're, we're trying to figure out right now if the Twins are trending toward being a buyer or a seller, but eight games out. Cleveland's starting to maybe step on the gas a little bit. Uh, any any sense that the Twins can hang in there a little bit longer, at least through the trade deadline? Well, they're still in wait-and-see mode, but <laughs> let's just put it this way. Um, if they're going to get back into some sort of race, AL Central or wild card, this is a huge next two, three, four weeks for them. Otherwise, how can they not sell? Um, I mean, when you look at the way the league is constructed, the, the wild card feels like it's almost out of reach, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, the, the second wild card right now is the, the Mariners at 17 games over, and the Twins are six under. So that math is kind of ugly. The only the, the, the formula, I think, is to beat up on the division where the Indians have beat up on the division. The, the Indians are six under against the AL teams that are not in the AL Central, but they're crushing the Central. And so now it's time for the Twins to do that at every opportunity. You know, Cleveland's a notorious team for heating up at a particular time. What do you see right now with them and how they'll be able to put their game together? Well, it feels like they do this every year. You know, they're, they haven't been completely healthy. They haven't really hit. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor and Edwin Encarnacion, and they seem like they hit a home run every night, all three of them, right? And they they just start putting up crooked crooked numbers to go with that pitching, and it's all over. Now, they've still got issues in their bullpen, and I think that's a problem. But they're, they're built to win. They're built to win now. Uh, they've been there. They've done this. It's a really difficult team to mess with. Jason, how impressive is Mike Trout's performance right now and what he's doing? 
You know, Myron, I'm actually glad that uh, we we had a little Mike Trout milestone last week, and that all right, Mike Trout plays a thousand games, and all of a sudden we stop and say, "Oh my God, what are we watching?" <laughs> um, he, you know, he's off to the greatest start to a career of anyone in our lifetimes. We've never seen anything like this. And this year is has got a chance to be the greatest of all. And I, that, that's an amazing statement to make, that a guy this good could just get better every year. But, you know, he the, the only position player since 1900 who's been worth more than a dozen wins above replacement, as measured by baseball reference, is Babe Ruth. And Mike Trout is just stampeding in that direction. Um, He's he, he just one of the greatest players of all time. It's that simple. And, uh, you know, hopefully the light bulb's going on for all of us. Well, that's the thing. I mean, is it as simple as, well, he plays out on the West Coast, the Angels haven't necessarily been in contention lately. Why isn't he dominating headlines as he should be? <laughs> you know, that's a really fascinating question, and I think it's not an easy answer. Um, on the one hand, like this guy's a great guy. He's a great teammate. Uh, everything about him is real and authentic and genuine. He's not. There's nothing phony about him, and all of that is to be greatly admired. Uh, he signs autographs every single night before games. He, you know, see the way he treats fans and kids, and like he's a he's a special guy, and all of that ought to be more marketable than it is. But here is the issue, and you know, I wrote about wrote a big piece about this a year ago um, when he did not make the the list of fifty most popular athletes in America. Um, I think if I were Rob Manfred, the next time Mike Trout came to New York, I would give him a call and say, you know what, Mike, let's have lunch. And when I sat down to lunch with him, here's what I would tell him. We love you, man. You're everything that's good about our sport, but we need more from you. We need you to be in the home run derby. We need you to play for Team USA and the WBC. We, we need you to take on the responsibilities that the best player in all sports take on. I mean, you can think what you want about LeBron, but LeBron embraces that responsibility in his sport. Uh, if, you know, when, he, when they're in the NBA Finals, he goes to the interview room every day. If his team is even winning at halftime. He stops and talks to Doris Burke or Lisa Salters or whoever at halftime on the way off the court, and he stops and talks afterwards, and he does what he knows a player of his stature needs to do. And what do you hear behind the scenes in baseball? Um, stuff like, and I, I, I believe I actually used this quote in that piece I wrote, uh, Kevin Durant goes to China, Mike Trout won't leave Millville. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think... Everybody needs to convince him needs to change. Jason, uh, Bob Nightingale in USA Today has a, a column about strikeouts for the first time outpacing uh, hits in, in baseball. He also talks about being in the middle of the biggest attendance drop in 22 years, I believe. How concerned are you as someone attached to the game about these attendance numbers, and, and what's the way to fix it? 
You know, Myron, I'm, I'm glad you asked because um, I'm concerned. I think the sport needs to be concerned. I, I don't think there's just one reason for it, um, but I do think, number one, tanking is an issue. Um, you've got a bunch of teams that clearly are not trying or are barely trying to win. Um, it's hard to sell that. You had a bunch of teams that sat out free agency this winter, really didn't do anything dramatic that would energize the fan base. I think you're seeing that. Uh, I think they understand it's no longer just weather. And I, I do wonder if they, there's so much talk about how the game is too slow, the game needs no action, the game needs better rhythm, the game needs better pace, whether all of that takes its toll. Um, I, I think you're hearing the talk because the commissioner knows he needs to address that and, 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 and do what he can to make baseball a more entertaining product. But the more we talk about it, the more it seems like it says it sends a message to fans, what are we paying for? Uh, and that, that's a problem. Well, for pace of play issues, I was struck by what Bob mentioned. I think he cited Sports Illustrated saying the average time between balls and play is up to three minutes and 45 seconds. I don't know how you unravel that a bit when you when you consider the modern-day ball player, the modern-day hitter, is being compensated and judged by working counts. Uh Especially the sluggers, they're judged by going for the fences. Strikeouts have become more acceptable. Um, that those things are kind of baked into maybe bogging down the game. And how do you begin to unravel that if that's that's a systemic issue? Yeah, that I mean that's the ultimate question. Uh, and I think what Rob Manfred is is trying to tackle, and uh, you know he 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 pretty much said this in his interview with uh, Ken Rosenthal in the Athletic a couple weeks ago, um, is the game needs better rhythm. And the game needs more action, and so you know they've they've attacked what he says is the low hanging fruit, right? The uh, the stuff that they could do to to shave some minutes off time of game. But now it's time to figure out how do you get more action back in the game. Um, that's a tough one. Um, you know they've they've talked about limiting shifts. There 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 are reasons for that that seem to confuse people, but I think it would change swings, and theoretically you get more contact, which creates more action. Um, they've talked about limiting mid-inning pitching changes, um, and I wouldn't want to be a left-handed hitter who, from the fifth inning on, faces nothing but funky left-handed specialists and closers. Uh, you know, you, that's not conducive to more action. They've talked about messing with the strike zone in some way to see if they could get guys to just put the ball and play more, take less, strike out less. All of this stuff's on the table. It's just hard to do. Well, pivoting to what's going on in the game currently, we're almost we're closing in on 80 games in the midway point of the season. I'm wondering if you could, we haven't talked about the National League much. What In, in each league, maybe, what are, what are the big, what's the biggest surprise storyline? We'll start with the National League and then maybe pivot over to the American League. Um, well, the the National League, uh, if, if you had told me that we'd look up nearly 80 games into the season and the Braves and Phillies would both be ahead of the Nationals in the NL East, I thought you were nuts. I thought the Nationals of every team in baseball were the biggest cinch to make the postseason. And the Braves are for real. I mean, I think the Phillies are a year ahead of schedule, but uh, they're, they're arrows trending up. 
And the Nationals have just had a bizarre year. They haven't had their team on the field really for one game. But, I mean, they've also had just problems in performance. Uh, to, to see Bryce Harper, even if he's leading the league in homers and walks, hitting 217, that's mind-boggling to me. Uh, there's a ton of upside on that team, but I, I think that's the biggest surprise of the National League. And in the American League, you look at the, 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 the races are almost kind of locked in. There's not a ton of intrigue right now. I mean, you got... <laughs> Uh, you know, besides, you know, you got New York and Boston c- commanding things in the East, Houston and Seattle going at it in the in the uh, in the West, and then basically Cleveland pulling away in the in the Central. If I'm a if I'm a fan of any of those other teams, what am I what am I going to get excited about? Yeah, um, I, you know, I wrote at the end of April that the AL races were over, and you know, since then the Mariners just put more distance between themselves and the second wild card. They've got a seven-game lead in the, for the second wild card with half a season to go. And you know, I suppose you could come up with a scenario where the Angels get Otani back and they catch Seattle, and Seattle doesn't win all these one-run games down the stretch. But you're right. I, I think, to me, the most intriguing race in the American League is Yankees-Red Sox because there's so much at stake. Um you know, these teams had a bunch of races in the 90s and the early 2000s, and they didn't even care who won because there was no such thing as a wild card game, and there was no penalty for being the wild card. Now, that's not true. We've never had a 100-win team playing the wild card. So, I mean, to, to try to survive that game and beat, say, James Paxton, um, good luck. And then if you win, you've got nothing but 100-win teams to try to beat the rest of the way just to get to the World Series. So, like, that's the most meaningful Yankee-Red Sox race probably since 1978, Bucky Dent. Mm-hmm. Jason, with Otani Hurt, uh, will we see him again ever try to do both? And not just for him, is that the end of sort of the two-way guy in baseball? Will we see other teams take a risk on a guy like that? Marn, he really wants to do both. And that was really the condition um, that all teams dealt with when he was negotiating. He wants to do both, and he's great at both. You know, I did a just before he got hurt. You know, I did this this little chart where we look at who he compares with, and you know, as a hitter, he's basically Bryce Harper. As a pitcher, he's basically Steven Strasburg. So that's the level of production they were getting from him at both things. And just the question is whether health is going to allow him to do that. And you know, grade two sprain of that ligament is a significant injury. And so I don't know where it's leading. Um, they have nothing to lose by him trying to rehab it. But um, there's a real chance that even if he does continue to do both, he's not going to be able to do both for quite some time. Um, and that's a shame for this sport. Uh, I, I don't know if that causes the alarms to sound for somebody like Brendan McKay, who was the Rays' number one pick last year, who's trying to do both. But I do know that very few teams think it's possible, and he's trying to defy all of that conventional thinking. All right, Jason, it's trivia time. As usual, you're going to have to try, not Mackie and Judd this time, it's Myron and Brian, so what are you going to stump us with? Well, I I live to hear that music. Uh, I appreciate you guys (laughs) taking on this challenge. uh, Jose Barrios' 12-strikeout game inspired this one, and I was thinking kind of 12 times 12. Can you name the only two twins in history 
who have had at least a dozen 12 strikeout games? Uh, I'll try Frank Viola. That was my thought. Uh... Okay, that's your final answer? Or... For both of us? Yeah, we'll take that. We'll go with Frank. <laughs> okay, there's two, there's, there's, there's two of them now. So Frank Viola is one of your answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The other. Uh, why not Burt Blylevin? Okay, Burt Blylevin is correct. Wow! Ah, two for two! The Murph. No, hold on a second. Oh. Frank Viola is not correct. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he did it with the Angels? Burt Blylevin had 15 of those games, but the other is Johan. With oh! Blyvin. And the baffling changeup. <sighs> yeah, and the, yeah, the, the only other guy in double figures is way back. Camilo Pascual. Camilo Pascal. Wow. All right, I can live with that. There you go. All right. Have a good, uh, Johan. Good try, man. All right, well, thanks, thanks Jason. Appreciate your insights as always. Yeah, enjoyed it, guys. Thanks. All right. Uh, we'll be back. The Wild are making news a little bit today, and they might be making some more news as free agency begins on the 1st. We'll have Sarah McClellan, who covers the Wild for the Star Tribune, joining us next. Phil Mackey. Probably wants a big amount of money, and he's a pain in the ass. Judd Zolgad. Is there nothing you can't make awkward, Judd? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Join 1500 ESPN in supporting Minnesota's military veterans and families this Saturday at the 2018 Patriot Ride at the Anoka County Airport. It's from 9 a.m. until 3. The event features a 70-mile ride. Food, music, vendors, music, and more. Bike registration is open now. All the details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Brian Murphy and Myron Medcalf in for Mackie and Judd here on a Tuesday morning. The Wild making some news after a relatively quiet weekend at the draft. Uh, they named Tom Curvers today as assistant general manager. Uh, Curvers, of course, very familiar. Uh, Minneapolis native, played uh, high school hockey at Bloomington Jefferson, won the Hobie Baker Award at the University of Minnesota Duluth. He spent the last 20 years in the front office of the Phoenix Coyotes and most recently the Tampa Bay Lightning. Joining us is Sarah McClellan. She covers the Wild for the Star Tribune. And Sarah, I guess, uh, what is this uh, initial hire here uh, by new GM Paul Fenton sort of say for the existing uh, front office, do you think? Oh, I think right now it's it's to be determined. It sounds like it's status quo around there, but I, I think change is probably safe to expect moving forward. And I think this type of evolution was, was kind of anticipated when, when Paul took this position. Obviously, you expect him to, you know, maybe bring in personnel that he's familiar with, and, and he's obviously done that so far with a couple of moves. So I think right now it sounds like everything's the same and it's status quo, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, more change kind of infiltrate the staff as it kind of readies itself for the rest of the offseason and then to begin next season. What about the Wilds' approach to the draft uh, surprise you, if anything? Um, you know what? Not too many surprises. I, I think just talking about the draft and, um, you know, what the team accomplished, I, I think that first pick um, was a little surprising. Um, you know, you looked at how the first round kind of unraveled, and that seemed to kind of be a theme, though, just the unpredictability. And I think that was just kind of, you know, reflective of the talent levels that were in that draft and how unpredictable it could be. But I think taking um, defense and Philip Johansson, I think, was maybe a little surprising. Um, I think many expect him to go later. He <laughs> wasn't expecting to go in the first round, but 
Um, overall, to to load up on centers, a few defensemen, I think that fits in tune with just the way the game is trending. And I know teams target talent over need, um, but when those two can align, I think it's obviously a successful weekend for the team in that regard to load up on such a premium position that can be so tough to acquire, um, you know, in, in, in season, out season in the NHL. In terms of, you know, the current roster and the fact that nothing was accomplished in that regard, I, I don't think that was too surprising just because of the way the weekend shook out for the entire league. Um, it looked like there were a couple names that are probably kind of keeping the market in gridlock right now. I think Ilya Kovalchuk was one of them. Um, obviously, he ended up signing with the Kings, so that maybe provided a little bit of clarity. But I think the John Tavares situation is probably kind of has the market right now in a holding pattern, waiting to see where he goes, because I think a lot of plan B's and plan C's and plan D's emerge teams that lose out on those sweepstakes so that could be holding the trade market in kind of a little bit of a holding pattern right now but I think what also is kind of fair to keep in mind is the fact that Paul Fenton has only really been on the job here for a little over a month I think he's still very much in the information gathering phase and the more he learns about this team and what's out there I think he'll probably feel more comfortable in making assessments, drawing conclusions, and ultimately changing this roster and giving it the spark that we've all kind of been anticipating since this off-season shuffle began after the playoffs. Uh, the Wild made a little bit of news yesterday by uh, signing restricted free agents Jason Zucker and Matt Dumba, uh, or at least they received their qualifying offers, which essentially buys them a little bit more time to, to hang on to their negotiating rights. Um, do you get a sense that the Wild, if they're going to, you know, tweak has been a word that we've overused since Paul Fenton came in and, and Craig Leopold said that's what he wants to do with the roster. Do you get the sense that that's going to be done more through the trade market than the free agent market, which opens on the first? I think so. I think that's the more impactful way to change this roster. Um, you know, if you look at the free agent pool, um, like I said, there's a couple of headliners, John Tavares being number one. And I just think it probably, you know, the wild's probably priced out of that market. So I look at the free agent market as a way to more fill out the roster, fill holes, kind of just color in the spaces rather than actually making a, you know, a major revision that kind of gives that significant boost that, you know, we've kind of been waiting for. So I think that comes via trade. And I think it's probably a hockey type trade since, you know, the draft has passed and the team didn't make a move there to acquire draft picks to create cap space, potentially offload those picks for a player. I think it's probably more like a player for player swap that, you know, really affects both teams' rosters, maybe gives a player a fresh start. Um, maybe a younger player who, you know, maybe like a Zucker is a restricted free agent needing a new contract. I just see that as a vehicle that probably impacts the roster more the way the team is wanting to than signing a, a free agent who might be too pricey, who may be older. It just seems to be more what they're looking for they'd find in the trade market. Sarah McClellan covers the Wild for the Star Tribune. She joins us now talking about the Wild's offseason, which is basically heating up. This is that time of year where uh, the free agents market is just about to open on the 1st. The trade market should uh, get some traction as well in the coming days. There's been a lot of speculation about who would be available, who the Wild might make available. You hear Matt Dumba, you hear Jason Zucker, you hear Nino Niederreiter, uh, maybe Jonas Brodeen on the blue line, Charlie Coyle. Um, Who's the most valuable asset the Wild have and why right now? Uh, 
I mean, most valuable asset or, you know, most movable asset. I think those yeah. are two different things. You know, if you look at the roster in last season and you looked at who was most valuable, um, you know, this team's MVP last season was Eric Stahl. Um, you know, obviously to score as many goals as he did, eclipse 40, um, be a factor kind of night in, night out. I mean, I don't think there was any dispute once the season ended who was most valuable to the team. But having said that, I'm not sure if that makes him the most valuable asset this summer. Um, you know, he, he does play a premium position, but he has one year left on a deal. He's getting older. Um, you know, I think there's just less uncertainty with a player like that. So I think, you know, we look at the names that are out there, and I think it is probably a Jason Zucker, um, maybe a Nino Niederreiter. I think what the edge that a Nino Niederreiter has over a Jason Zucker is he comes with cost certainty. He's under contract. There's a, you know, there's numbers attached to him where, where Zucker's obviously still waiting for a new deal, but I think his upside is probably very, very intriguing with the fact that he scored over 30 goals. He fits the way the NHL is playing now with the speed game. He can get up and down the ice. Um, you know, I think that's probably appealing for a team that's looking to keep building in that direction, but um, you know, in regards to the blue line too, you know, like you mentioned, we kind of maybe hear names, but I just don't know if that's maybe the first reaction the Wild would go to because that's really a point of strength for this team is its blue line, especially its top four. And I don't know if you, you know, pull from an area of strength just to cause now a weakness in terms of, you know, Ryan Suter's on the men from a major injury. Um, you know, we'll see how he progresses. But if there is a situation where he isn't ready to go and say the team, you know, did make a subtraction, I'm not sure if that makes the unit better come, you know, the fall, even though maybe you address the need up front. Um, you know, if it is a D for D swap, maybe that's a little different, but I, I see the top four being a, you know, position of strength. So I'm not sure if that's an area that the team would touch. So I do think it is probably one of those forwards who, you know, maybe, you know, has, uh, you know, obviously a season like Zucker that was successful. I think it's fresh in people's minds. Um, or someone like a Quill and a need writer who has set contract terms, a team knows what it's getting for how long, and can try to move forward that way. All right, Sarah, thanks for joining us. You're going to have a busy week ahead of you. Uh, we'll look <laughs> forward to touching base with you again. Sounds good. Take care, guys. All right, that's Sarah McClellan with the Star Tribune. It's Murphy and Metcalf in for Mackie and Judd. We'll be back right after this. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Man, isn't this the greatest? On 1500 ESPN.